Kevin's still pissed about the drone, so he sent me down to Tactical Distributors. I'm like the intern janitor or something. But so I'm in the warehouse. It's pretty cool though. They got like hundreds of brands of stuff. They got like Altama, Sitka gear. Got everything. Like check some of this stuff out. I was looking through earlier. They got like Barrel Concepts, little mag holders, you know. This one was cool. They got Solomon. So like Solomons are normally pretty expensive, but TacticalDistributors.com, Unpossible 15 gets you 15% off. It's not expensive anymore. This one they got MTHD. It's like their in-house thing. It's super cool. It's kind of like Patagonia. It's just like it's a new thing. Jay, it's really cool. Come on, man. I told you. You want me to call Kevin? No, no, no. no. Check it out. It's a cool bipod, too. It is cool. What's cool about it? <laughs> Did that just happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking mask. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, drink more, bitches. <laughs> You know who I can't get off my mind today? Today? Tom Smith. <laughs> I don't know sitting, why. Because <laughs> yeah, he's sitting right in front of you. Look right at these shirts he sent us. Tom Smith action. So he he's a butterfly on your shirt. Huh? Is that what it is? Uh, yeah. Oh, Look. yeah. That's sweet. And he's just a sweet little flower on this one. So thank you, Tom. Yeah, we love Tom. All right. So, hey, we got this. Uh, did you know The Rock? Dwayne Johnson has his own tequila now. I did not know that. Uh-huh. And Ivanka's nephew gave me this bottle when we went uh, to New York to see him. What doesn't that dude do? I, I don't know. Fit into a size small T-shirt. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> What's new with you? Um, not okay. necessarily new, but I learned a new fact today. Is it about oranges? No. I can't. Re I said I would reveal that, but I can't reveal it at this point. All right. Um, no, I learned that there's an alleged origin of handshakes. Um, so, like, people are saying that the origin of a handshake was to show that you were unarmed and the, like, shaking part, the up and down. Uh, Get it out of your sleeve. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If you had a weapon that was hidden, it should fall out at that point. A little derringer. I don't know if that's true, but that's a great story. I don't know if it's true. I either, hope it's I, true. Yeah, I think that's it's pretty cool. cool. Like, hey, I'm unarmed. I mean, other, the other theories are like, oh, it shows a bond between what whatever. Left hand. Well, I think it was presumed that everyone was right-handed. Right-hand. Right-hand or, or wrong-handed, you know. Mm -hmm. huh. I like it, and I'm going to go with that one. I think it's cool. It's a fact. Um, what about you? You learn anything interesting today? Not yet. Not yet. You're going to learn some shit, because I'm about to drop some knowledge. Oh, yeah. I, I, I think one of the most underrated arts is storytelling. Like, mm -hmm. people who know how to tell a story. Yep. Yeah, it, it's just so incredible. Like, I mean, you know, I guess it happens in, like, songs with Hours North or whatever on TV, but someone that can just sit down and tell a fascinating story. Yeah, that that's was a, a wonderful thing. That was a point that I thought was really cool that Jason Vincent made from Field Ethos where he was saying, like, if someone, a lot of, a lot of people have cool stories, but they don't know how to tell it. And yeah. so by going through Field Ethos, they'll hook them up with an editor and be able to present that. Cool. Everyone knows it's a cool story, but they'll help you get it out to people. It, it is. Th that's a great idea because there's so many wonderful hunting stories because it's so unpredictable. And it just, hunting 
you know, oftentimes just encompasses all these very exciting novel things, you know, like you get like extreme anxiety and adrenaline and something dies very often and you never have the same experience twice and you get to shoot a gun or a bow or whatever the situation is. I mean, some of the greatest stories like I've ever read, it's about like Roosevelt or Hemingway, you know, on their hunts, you know, and even Hemingway, like, you know, his plane crashes trying to go from one place to another to hunt and just all these exciting things. And just about everyone I know that's hunted for a decade, they have some incredible stories. Um, you know, uh, I've told some with, with friends of mine hunting in Alaska and have a bear encounter and the bear gets within 10 yards and just turns around and leaves. And he had his, you know, his 270 rifles, what he had because he was hunting like blacktail. And then he, goes to fire the gun it was chambered and everything like just after that happened and it, it wouldn't fire yeah there was a adam green tree the bow hunter encounter with the 1911 yeah and it was out of battery and yeah. he filmed the whole thing and didn't realize it so all these people are watching these like instagram stories that he's posting after the fact and this bear is like mock charging him and he's pointing a 1911 at and it's out of battery and so like everyone can see it and he had no idea so it's just it, that stuff is so crazy yeah there should be more exposure on it because he went it was like 28 days. He went from Colorado into Utah, I believe. Um, he hiked it all himself. He was by himself. But he was finding, he has grizzly bears, photos and footage of grizzly bears in Colorado. And for however long, Colorado has made a statement being like, there are no grizzly bears here or whatever. And I think he brought it forward and was like, hey, look, no, I got some on footage. And they're like, no, 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 you didn't. You're not in Colorado. And I don't know why that is, but... Hmm. It's weird. I don't know why states. It's like New Hampshire with mountain lions. <laughs> Georgia's the same way with because mm-hmm. you know there's panthers in North Carolina and in mm-hmm. Florida, and we try to say there's none in Georgia. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like that's what's between <laughs> the two states. Yeah. Um, yeah. I had an encounter with uh, a, a cougar in Georgia, mm-hmm. and, and m- my father, when he, he grew up in South Georgia, his grandparents had a farm, and uh, he he saw one that his grandfather had killed there. Um, yeah, there's so many great stories. I, you know what I think, though? The more I get into hunting and deal with more of the companies, it's worse than the gun industry. Because everyone that hunts thinks, number one, they're scared of the politics and, and you know, the optics of hunting. So they want to control it the way their PR people think that it should be presented to be the most acceptable. And then everybody has their own morality about it. Like, you know, you can only do this when you hunt or you can't hunt high fence or you can, you have to eat everything you kill. And, um, I, I think there's more like just bullshit with the hunting community as far as the companies go than, than even in our industry. I definitely it's think disappointing. They, they, the hunting companies themselves, as well as the media companies that portray hunting, I think that they put hunters in a a strange light, like super well, redneck. They like. they want to get a lot of the companies want to get TV spots, and so it has to fit into a certain category. It is interesting where Jason talked about where Field Ethos, you know, is a media media company, and they own some shows and stuff, but just being unapologetic about hunting. Yeah, and I really like that. But I think you end up ruling out a lot of you know depends on what you want with your company, but you end up not being able to get corporate sponsors with that kind of attitude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Huh. Well, interesting. So you shot an animal recently? I did. The derpiest goat in Texas. Yeah, and I think it was related to Satan or something because it unleashed a curse on all of us. Did it? Yeah, we... A bunch of footage... Because I was just listening to the last... 
the last one well so i'm uh editing the one now or yep. giving my comments to thomas on the one that's going to post this week and uh you talk about how you killed satan by shooting that goat so oh, i so guess things have changed well, he did well yeah, yeah. no so i think you watch I, thought, our podcast. I thought it was satan maybe maybe, <laughs> maybe it's related to satan i don't know because i saw the one it was either you or ivanka shot it the black one mm. like i thought that might have been satan so this might have been a cousin whatever but yeah a lot of our footage got jacked so we don't have a lot of footage i think that's hallucinogens myself but Maybe. I don't know. No. So, yeah, I, I talked about a lot of the footage that we got um, on the trip and the gentleman who got it, his car got broken into in Los Angeles while he was on a job. And a lot of that footage is gone. And then also there was just. So there's no footage of you shooting this now. Just pictures. Yeah. Hmm. I smell bullshit. Yeah, I'm suspicious. There's plenty of photos. Yeah. <laughs> I got eyewitnesses. I've seen Thomas Photoshop. That's true. He, he always covers for his buddy Jay. Thomas, do you remember? Because you, I don't even know if you'll be more honest because Jay's here. Um, what did I ask for you guys if you're going to Texas to get footage? To get yeah, we have footage, and what we have is no footage. No, we have footage. Can we you just show don't me? have the. I can't currently. No, there's no. been some online already. Yeah, but there's no, there's not the 5K red camera footage of like you're seeing the vapor trail and the ripple when I blast it in the back of the head and like any of that. Super ethical hunt. I know what Lee Harvey Oswald felt like allegedly. I think. Well, they didn't lose his footage because I've seen that fucking. The Zapruder film. <laughs> <laughs> I was waiting for mine. Yeah, I was so excited, but <sighs> we got something cute. Yeah. We got ton. We got Marketing tons of stuff. Department of disappointment. Maybe I guess you gotta drag me along, and watch me shoot things. Then next time you can film if it. We didn't spend it all on innovation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You think he's gonna kill something with a fucking slingshot? <laughs> <laughs> no, I used a mini fix. By the way, it was mm. dope. The gun's cool. I uh, will never know because I will never get to see the video. There's pictures. Okay, I'll shoot something in front of you next time. And you can film it with your with your phone. And well, you can, see, why didn't Colin film it with his phone just in case? A backup. He, he was taking pictures. You fucking rookies. Uh, you he gotta, was taking photos. There were like ten people on the on. Uh, and we have no truck, video. I'm sure we do. I just I don't have it. Everyone's dumping all their files into a Dropbox. So. so so allegedly, when is this happening? We have a date. This is like dealing with my son. Take this out is the like fucking a garbage. sighting. Yeah. We got the footage. No, no <laughs> dates. We can go on a date if you want. We have a date. I just don't know when it is. <laughs> uh, I don't know. You're going to have to. Uh, I'll show, I'll show you sure how to kill the footage will turn up. The cops will do their job. Yeah. I I have full faith that LAPD <laughs> wasn't like, sucks for that guy. Mm -hmm. But the thing is, is we know. They'll be like, hey, we didn't find your cameras or your expensive gear, but here's your memory cards. Yeah. <laughs> but you know, like, whoever stole those, as soon as they try to put it in their computer, yeah. it, their computer is blowing up. Yeah. So they threw it all out the window, for sure. Like Because the file size or what? Well, I just feel like it, w the bag that they stole, there was another camera in there. There was a bunch, a laptop. They saw some memory cards and were like, see ya. I Maybe. doubt they I doubt they kept I don't know. If I were in L.A., I would be like, this could, who knows? This could be, you know. I'd take the picture Britney of Spears. my own. Could be, yeah. Kevin Federline stole <laughs> all of our footage, mm. and I'm going to get it back. You are? With a mini fix. Mm -mm. Sounds like you just threatened that guy. No, I was going to trade oh. the footage for a mini fix. So he's stealing a gun, basically. California compliant. 
Soul story suspect. Yeah. Well, either way, it was cool. We killed some stuff. I'll kill more stuff on my own time and get footage and show you, and you'll be like, man, that was really cool. I'll hold my breath. <laughs> <laughs> so what do we got here? Um, the lower to the very first original. Ghetto Blaster. Oh. <laughs> Ghetto Blaster. <laughs> You're an idiot. Idiot. <laughs> yeah. That's, a, that's broken. Well, yeah, it's all broken. <laughs> <laughs> so these were, um, so Novesky Lower had some Knight's Armament uh, Trigger and Selector and uh, Mag Release. Um, these were MP7 rails that we cut off, 3D printed the stock and stock base and everything. And Grip, which you see, that looks a whole lot like that Reptilia yeah, it Grip. Looks familiar. Because Eric at Reptilia uh, did this grip for us when he uh, he and Ethan did most of the work on the Honey Badger. So that's it. So that was the original one. Um, so it's cool. It's what got it all started. We just machined the little buffer tube and everything. Um, did you do uppers first? Like when you were doing the 300 yeah. Blackout stuff, you did yeah, uppers Yeah, 300 first? Blackout, um, it started with uppers for the 416. Okay. So they were impingement. Just mill spec uppers. Uh, they had forward assist. We started with uh, nine inch. They were one in seven, and we did a twelve and a half inch. We're using Knight's Armament rails. Uh, we did uh, the carriers, which were probably like DPMS or something at the time. Yeah. That was mill spec. Um, I think that was everything that was on it. Fifty-one tooth flash hiders, because that's the silencers. The mounting system that was being used by the Navy, and then we did this for the Army. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, so here's the new one. So this is finally sort of out. Mm -hmm. So what happened? They came. S oh, it was two position two in it. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the Honey Badger stock for the standard AR. Yeah, Honey Badger style for AR M4 platform. That's, that's, a, that's this, a brace. Yeah, this is the brace, brace, and then whatever, we're doing yeah. a stock version. Do both. Um, so what are, what are all the differences with this one here? Compared to the Honey Badger? Yeah. Um, so the rods sit lower on the receiver so they can clear the, uh, the kind of round part of the receiver for the buffer tube. So it's a little bit lower, so it will cover your uh, rear takedown pin. Um, the Honey Badger sits higher and the receiver's cut to accommodate it. It's a little bit yeah. profile. Um, well, this is one thing where the Honey Badger, where we were trying to do something where it was integrated and you wouldn't have to do that. It's in the stock right. to take the gun down. And right. Um, it's a little bit longer, so you get a bit of a, if it were a stock, you'd have a better uh, cheek rest there. It's a, got a longer buffer tube compared to the Honey Badger because it doesn't use the uh, guide rod that the Honey Badger uses. Yep. It just uses a short buffer. So this is able to shotgun open like a normal AR. Right, yeah. Yeah, so maybe with this one we can... If I can get it over this detent. So, very short buffer. That will fall on the table. <laughs> so, with this one, yeah, it opens this way. Yeah, exactly. Like, so, for your regular ARs. And does it use the standard castle nut? It uses a castle nut on the back, and that's what retains the housing on the tube. Um, the housing itself acts as your end plate mm. to keep your detent spring This is in. surprisingly easy to install. So easy. Well, is that a standard castle nut on the back, or yep. do we do it different? Oh, it no, is? Standard castle oh, great. Nut. Yeah. It does come with the tool, because you can't get a castle nut wrench on it. Oh, there. yeah. So it comes with the tool, comes, comes with, with the, the spring, the buffer, whether mm -hmm. you want 223 or 9 mil, 
and yeah. the 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 brace or stock and assembly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this, uh, this is the rifle buffer or five five six, I should say, caliber buffer. It's three ounces. I don't know what the nine mil one weighs. I forget more. Yeah, but um, yeah, you get the same amount of stroke as you would a, a standard AR. Just love that. Yeah. Mm. Mm-hmm. And you get the over short stroke. <laughs> that was my nickname in high school. Um, you get the <laughs> in high school. That's yeah. The <laughs> Currently, yeah. <laughs> uh, you get the over molded QD cup. That's like the newer design. Yeah, I mean that's on the Honey Badger now too. The new right. uh, housing. It's just easier to source. It's more consistent in manufacturing. All right, so they dropped these and they sold out. And yeah, they're on SB Tactical's website. As far as I know, they sold out. They have more on the way. Gray is coming very soon. So gray is, yeah, the honey badger. Gray will be for the cloners. Yeah. Or if you don't have a black gun. Yeah, that too. The That's black's awesome. nice, but I, I, I don't know. I just don't like black all that much anymore with guns. Well, you can paint it. That's yeah. true. So the gray one's coming. I did order one because I wanted to see SB Tacticals, uh, how they shipped them and boxed them and all that. So I have it here. I should have brought it down to put it on the podcast. And they sent me a nice letter on the invoice. That that. You saw mm-hmm. that? Just said, like, good job on the cross or something. Yeah, like that. yeah. Yeah, so um, fuck SB Tactical. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so they sold out. They're supposed to be getting more. So they're just going to keep yep. doing them. So they'll do the brace. We'll do the stocks. Mm-hmm. So we're, like, everything else behind on the stocks. Yeah, we're a few weeks out. And so we'll drop that. Actually, when's this coming out? They might be available yeah. at the time of. So the socks will be available on our site. The braces, that's their thing. Yep. And um, are we coming out in just black, or are we doing both colors? Black and gray. Yeah, nice. Yep. That's going to be cool. Nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and I think we're probably just going to do five, five, six buffers, and then you can buy the 9 mil buffer in spring if you need it. That way we don't have to deal with the ratio or yeah. multiple skews and stuff. I don't know. Yeah, but I think that seems to work well for us. A lot can change in the next couple weeks. It's also <laughs> true. Yeah, these are nice. Yeah, they're cool. And I mean, it's you said it, but like it's it's longer. So the people that complain about the honey badger hurting their face, um, yeah, you, you mean uh, yes, yeah, the housing exactly. I mean, when it's strapped to your forearm, though, it doesn't matter, right? Yeah, it doesn't hurt your face at all, right? Because your face isn't near it. But for the right. stock, version. the stock is longer. Oh, yeah. sure, yeah, yeah, and everything is smoother and all now. I mean, the guns just keep getting better. The mm. products keep getting better. Um. Yeah, I, I like it being the cutie cup yeah. being molded into. Although some people don't like it because you don't get that big copper looking color. Now. Yeah, but those housings in general, like even the ones on the Honey Badger, um, the the actual rails themselves are so much tighter and mm-hmm. more like they're great. Nobody likes a wobbly brace, huh? <laughs> I, don't I meant on the stocks. That, I mean that stock. that guy posted that. And yeah. And everything, and then I just, yeah, online, and it's like, so I posted my MP5, and the guy's like, that that's Pakistani, that's not German, the German ones don't move, and it's like, dude, I've had this 27 years, <laughs> and, and see this little code on here, that means it's German, so, um, yeah, so yeah, people are idiots, but we're trying to get better constantly at everything, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, you know, and some of the stuff, it just doesn't make sense, like if you... If you want this type of arm brace or stock, there is compromise. Mm-hmm. One thing I love about this over, um, you know, like Maxim Defense has been, you know, riding the Honey Badger's dick for a while. Um, 
their stock assembly, this whole assembly, I think, weighs about half what theirs does. At which least. Is, yeah, which that. is super nice. And I, and I saw one of their guys say, well, ours is combat. I don't know, some of that, like, dead air, mm-hmm. like, full auto rated bullshit. Yeah, combat. Like combat rated or something. And it's yeah. like, I have never seen a honey badger stock broken at our place. Ever. Like, it passed mm-hmm. drop. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you, you don't have to make it out of steel and really heavy if you have real engineers. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna make some enough money to buy some uh, Jay and Kevin shirts that we'll send to Ooh. Tom. Yep. <laughs> Put you in one, Adam. I will not wear that. I want to be the butterfly. I, I'm gonna. I'm gonna do all Adam's faces. <laughs> his laughing. His not impressed. His angry. It's Three of those are the same. It's all the same. Yeah. They're all the same. <laughs> I know. I'm gonna do those yeah. on there. So, and, and I don't know what they'll be in the middle of. Maybe not a flower. Mm. Dragonfly. Ooh. Or like a praying mantis or something. Petunia. Like I'm Petunia. Petunia is a flower. Uh, yeah. yeah. Bugs to flowers. Yeah, or, or a term of endearment for your bay. I don't know. It's a southern thing, I think. Is that what you call her? No. <laughs> Petunia. No, my mom's cat's name is Petunia. Really? Yeah. See? Shout out. We Petunia. know who's most important <laughs> to her. <laughs> she named you Jay. Yeah, and named her cat Petunia. She, she named you a letter. Yep. Shout out. EOTech Voodoo Podcast. I want to say that I learned more on that podcast Mm -hmm. than I learned a ton on, well, I've learned a lot on a lot of them with Brett from Taurus or uh, with Nate from Bagara. Definitely Chris Barrett, which was surprising to me because I've known him for so long. And then John Clements, like I learned a lot. But I think I learned more on the EOTech podcast than any podcast, really. That was awesome. And I'm so excited. They gave me that uh, gray one that I put on my honey badger. And um, I'm in love with them all again. What did you guys think about that podcast and their new optics? Not only the, the holographic stuff, but the magnified stuff that they showed us and some of the other new things they're doing. Mm. Yeah, the new stuff's awesome. The old stuff's awesome. Now that I know more about it, I like it even more. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, they explain it in a way that I understood it, and I appreciate that. Yeah, yeah, me too. Like the idea of lasers, and, then, and they gave me that magnifier, and I used it in conjunction with, um, uh, w- w- what's the site that they gave me? What the EXPS? The what? The EXPS3? EXPS. EXPS. Do you know what that stands for? Nope. Okay, and three. Three, yep. So probably third generation. Or is that third focal plane? No, no, no. It's I think it's third generation. Cause, yeah. right. So they gave me that. So I put the magnifier on and tried it. The dot does not get bigger. Right. Mm-hmm. And I mean, I guess I was just super ignorant to and that. I don't, I don't understand that. that, that kind of still. I appreciate that it's a thing. Lasers. Yeah. yeah. Lasers. Yeah. So, I mean, I guess the idea is with the laser, is it any distance rather than projecting a dot onto a fixed... Um, yeah, it's I just playing know. tricks in your eyes. It's flashing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It has, yeah. A, has a really fast refresh rate. But I tried mm-hmm. it, and mm-hmm. yeah, they didn't lie. It's and awesome. That, that magnifier they gave you too is the a newer generation where it's smaller. Oh, um, it is. It's still heavy as balls. Yeah, it, and that's you got a three times. It's not so the G thirty three that everyone knows is like a longer one, mm-hmm. and their five power one is the same size as that but their three and four are shorter like the one you have. Oh. So they have a five-power one. But it's long. That is long. I mean, it's the same size as the regular G33, which is pretty small. The length doesn't bother me as much as it, it gets heavy with yep. both those. Um, the magnified optics they showed us. Oh. Insane. 
And I like, cannot wait. The prices they told us is incredible, insane. What like, they say, like the it was the thirteen fifty or something. The one that we were all excited about. He said they think it's going to be thirteen ninety nine, and at that price, I mean that, that that's legitimately half the price of my Swarovski. That is n- not everything this one is. Right. Not to take away from Swarovski. They got some yeah. shit nobody else has got. Uh, and I love it. But, I mean, it's affordable for everyone at that price. Yeah. Oh, my God. The weight was great. Did you um, tell me that Vortex has a line of lightweight, but their higher-end scopes out or coming out? Like um, the 1 to 10 or any of their popular stuff? I don't think so. It wasn't I, you? I don't think so. I mean, I know about the I mean, the higher-end Vortexes are... Yeah, they're the well HDs regarded. Or yeah, whatever. yeah, the they're raises. heavy. But they are somebody heavy. told me that at least the one to ten, there's a lightweight one out now. I haven't seen it. I don't know. I hope it's very interesting. Their story that they went from L three mm-hmm. now back to being owned yeah, by employees and they're doing innovative stuff. Yeah, it seems very exciting for them. It's exciting for me. Mm-hmm. I, I I was totally stoked on some of those new products. Yeah, eight six blackout. There's one sitting right next to you with a big old. Big old projectile. So I went this weekend. So I've shot three barrel links now, the 12 and a half, which I love, but with the fear of the arm brace situation. I don't mind SBR in my stuff, but it puts a crimp in our pimp, if you know what I'm saying there, Jay. Yes, sir. Um, so we did an eight inch, which I shot, and that's little. Mm-hmm. And Ethan loaded me up some eight inch specific ammo. So with supersonic, doesn't really make that big of a difference. You could use maybe a different powder for less muzzle flash. But with subsonic, trying to push as much velocity as we can. And, you know, if you do that for 8-inch, then it's going to be supersonic in 12.5 or 16. So you really need it kind of catered to the barrel. Anyway, I took 16-inch for the first time this weekend. So a lot of things. So I went to Griffin and Howe in New Jersey of all places. Yeah. So Peter Kellogg is uh, the owner of Hudson Farms in Griffin Howe. And he is... Uh, Wall Street guy from the 80s and 90s that made billions of dollars and loves guns and shooting. And they've got an awesome store, and that's where they hand-build all the Griffin House stuff, do the engraving, do the repairs on other guns, just all kinds of insane stuff. Their store is insane. They've got shotguns and double rifles that are anywhere from... $5,000 5000 to $250,000. So just like amazing, handcrafted, everything built by hand, a stock with 200 hours in it with hand carving. I mean, just insane stuff. But they have some ranges where a buddy, um, Mike, Murphy. Mike Murphy, who was here, who we did a podcast with, who went on the hunt in Africa with us. So I went up there, and for a couple of days, uh, he trained uh, me and Ivanka on some shooting. And then Mike and I took about half a day and did um, – had their 900 meter range, and they've got targets probably every 25 meters. Uh, it's, it's an awesome range. And if you want to go there, like he'll train you up to go on a hunt, which was cool because they have all these life size animal silhouettes of everything from zebra, Cape buffalo, um, lions, grizzly bear, black bear, fox, coyote, wolf, white tailed deer, just everything on the range, and then standard targets as well, and all sizes. I mean, there must be 300 pieces of steel in the 900 meter range. And but are they all at unknown distances, or 
Yeah. yeah. Well, there's, yeah, there's nothing marked. Mm. So kind of the idea. It was pretty cool because, like, uh, as, as Ivanka gets really into, she's super into shooting, and so she's learning, and she's got really into the long-range stuff because she's had access to it some. And, but she likes shooting anything. I mean, to the point where it was so cute, it was almost like taking one of my kids when they were, like, seven years old. Like, she was so excited and so impatient. I had to tell her, like, we're going to slow it down a little <laughs> bit, and, like, we're going to try to work on a couple of things because, you know, she can shoot. You know, when we were out, I mean, Thomas just posted the video. We're out in Wyoming. She can shoot the honey badger, like, offhand at 150 her, meters. Her form's really good, too. Like, you see a lot of newer shooters, and you're just like, whew, you look at them, like, yeah, there's a couple of things. And her form's really good. Like, she, yeah. she's hitting stuff. And she's reaching the limits of my knowledge, I think. And then, you know, w- with uh, the dynamics of a relationship, you get to a point with certain things where maybe she didn't want to hear it from me or I don't say it in a way that maybe I should. So it was really good with Mike having far more knowledge than me. So he taught her for about half a day. And then the rest, the other half that day, she on her own with the Applied uh, Ballistics app. And, oh, Shout out to Leica for sending me these, their new range finder. They're called, uh, what does that it's say? Like 3200.com or something? No, there's a name. No, there's a G word or something. Let me see it. Reflective. Yeah. There is a G word. Uh, Geovid3200.com. So, Geovid? Geovid. Hey, hey Leica. So, whatever. Change it. So, <laughs> that is a silly name. But, uh, I mean, these are big, but I tell you, the refresh rate and the processor on this laser is so fast compared to, and I love my Swarovski. Well, I gave them to my guide, but uh, I love them. This is so fast. And these are programmable. So these are programmed for my 16-inch and her 16-inch 6.5 using 143 ELDX. So now we use the both because we'll hunt together. So we have one. But it's got everything. Like uh, It's giving you compensation on there? Yeah, compensation. So it gives us our hold. It gives you compensation for if you're high angle up or down, um, all the stuff. Those things were incredible. So it was pretty cool. So he he worked with her on, you know, just everything from, like, breathing techniques to positioning to supporting the gun to uh, IDing the targets, using the rangefinder, using the applied ballistics app. And she was able to plug all her own stuff in, use the app, and she, we put her on the other end of the range. It was just uh, the three of us. She got the other end and for hours sat down there herself, like ranging targets. I wanted to be able to do it on her own for when we when we go hunt. We spend time in Africa and stuff. And do it on her own. And she went from 100 to 900 and probably shot 40 shots. She missed one shot at 900, her first shot. Wow. And it was incredible. Yeah. So more importantly, back to us. <laughs> no, no. So she's doing awesome. So I can't wait to see like her go to Africa and see what she does. It's cool that those skills are as transferable as they are based on like we know that Mike is a good instructor. Oh yeah, he's, he was awesome. For him to be able to to pass that knowledge on and her to apply it immediately is really cool. He is far better suited to be an instructor than I am. <laughs> um, but yeah, she did great and um. Anyway, back to 8-6. So Mike and I spent the day, and I loved it because he did most of the shooting because he was excited about 8-6, and we shot a bunch of subsonic and a bunch of supersonic through the 16-inch barrel. And I was trying to get a feel for a lot of things there. Ethan loaded us up a lot of ammo. I had four different loads there. But we shot out to 900, and 8-6 supersonic is legitimate 600-meter killing cartridge. And 
it was so fun. But one thing we did find the applied ballistics app, like the 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 ballistic coefficient is changing as the bullet slows down and with the more range, it can't calculate correctly the one in three. Because mm-hmm. we went in, used the app the way it's supposed to be used. <clears throat> and there's a couple ways you can use it. If you have your muzzle velocity, which we had a, a chronograph there. Um, but Mike trying to teach us both everything about the app that he knew and using the Kestrel as, as a backup or a different tool for certain situations and having all our info in that. But when, you know, on there, let's say you go and you configure your gun, your barrel length, your barrel twist, your muzzle velocity, if you know it, if you don't, no big deal, um, all the stuff, and you go into the menu, you select your ammo, and of course, I hunt with the Hornady 143ELDX, shout out to Hornady, and it's in there, select it, and it gives you your dope, like you get a, you get 100 meter zero, gives you your dope. If you, if you don't have a chronograph, a way that you confirm it is it'll tell you like two distances to shoot at. And it's a, a, a like basically a ballistic correction, um, and you, you it'll say okay at five hundred and five hundred meters, this is your dope. Shoot that and see what it actually is. And so we we do it. He did it with Ivanka. Did it with me. We would get it and it, it would adjust. Maybe it's just like two tenths of a mil, but you adjust and then it recalculates everything else. And that that app is so great, just like the Kestrel. If you allow it to use your location, it uses current temperature pressure everything and it constantly will redo your table every time you update it that's cool yeah so so that's pretty cool and that talks back to your binos or um well this would have to work with an app or plug it in to be able to do it yeah um so i don't know i assume these are bluetooth they did it all for me so i haven't even tried it yet i just have been using it um but the applied ballistics app was great but what we found so for golf on too many tangents the uh, one in three twist, it's all theory because they've never really done it. Mm-hmm. Like Brian Witt's brilliant guy, obviously. But the ballistic coefficient is changing as the bullet is going. And um, you, you have like, I don't know what you call that, like uh, not bullet decay, but, you know, the bullet's slowing down. It's mm-hmm. spinning slower. And it can't calculate that with one in three. Or it's not been programmed to. So with six five at 900 meters, Mine was two-tenths of a mil. I had to make an adjustment at 900. It was that good all the way out. So I could have killed any animal just by plugging in, getting 100 meters zero, plugging in my stuff. I could have killed anything at 900. With 8.6, because of the fast twist, and it allows you to enter one in three. It just doesn't calculate it correctly. So at like 500 meters, it said, you know, whatever it said. I don't even remember, five mils, and we were actually like four mils mm. or 3.8. So it was um, – so we got some work to do on that. But what was good to see, supersonic, Mike shot an incredible 100-meter group with it. Uh, we were able to get on at every distance. We went every 100 after that out to 600 and confident with that. So I'm excited about a 16-inch, and we're getting uh, 2,500 – maybe almost 2,600 feet a second with the 660-grain Barnes bullet supersonic. I have a 16-inch barrel. There is nothing you can't kill with that. So that's pretty exciting. And it's it's quiet. The 160-grain is easy to shoot. You feel the 210 a little more. Mm-hmm. Um, and I would think, you know, if you're inside two or 300 meters, the 210 is probably the ticket farther than that, maybe the 160s. I'm excited to go to Africa and shoot some stuff with the different bullets and see. 
What's a 168 308 shooting like a Magic King? Muzzle velocity? Yeah. Out of a 16 inch barrel? Yeah. For a comparison. I don't know. I would have to I'd have to I'd have to look at my app. Mm. But I would say I don't know, it's not too different. So within a hundred feet a second, I would say. Cool. Because you know, uh sixteen inch three oh eight goes subsonic at probably what eight hundred meters or something. Um so I don't know, we could look up the muzzle velocity, but you know, the BC's not as good. Right. You were talking uh, about energy on target too at a thousand, correct, right? Oh my god. Well, with the two ten or even with the subsonic. Um it, it, I mean, it was fun just shooting steel at 100 meters with oh, a 338 yeah. supersonic. Smash it. Oh, my Lord. It was fun. I broke, uh, in, in our demo that we were doing for some guys, I broke uh, one of their, like, flipping targets where oh, it's yeah, like, yeah. you know, a silhouette with the center and you shoot it in the pot. So my first shot broke that off. <laughs> um, I was like, you sure we can shoot it this close? You know, it's probably like 50 yards, whatever. They're like, yeah, yeah they're fine. We shoot rifles all the time. Bam, first shot. See you broke later. it. I was like, oh. Um, this says 308, 175 grain Sierra Match King is 2,600 feet per second. Okay. I don't know what barrel length that is. Oh. But, yeah. Well, probably not 16 inch if it's on, the, on a box. Right. It's probably longer, right? I, I mean, I, I never see on a box of ammo where it says 308, 16 inch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. 24 to 2,500, that was my guess. Because hmm. I'm thinking, not that it correlates at all, but my 6.5 shoots like 27. Well, uh, well, here I, I have um, things ripping though. I know. So I was thinking, oh, heavier bullet, slower. It's probably like twenty four, twenty five hundred, maybe slower twist too. I don't know. Right, that, that changes it. That was my guess. Twenty four sixty five. Uh, the twist doesn't change the muzzle velocity. Yet. No, no. So my twenty four inch is going twenty seven sixty nine with one seventy five grain. Mm-hmm. That's a twenty four inch. Right. Barrel, yeah. Right? So. Uh, so yeah, I would believe twenty six hundred's probably right. Yeah, yeah. Fuck me. No, I don't. Uh, want to. <laughs> no. <laughs> that's a hard no. <laughs> yeah. No, that's a soft no. <laughs> totally a soft no. That's true. Yeah. Um. Anyway, dude, maybe this yes, is my next sir. one. Oh yeah. So Griffin and Hal. Oh yeah. Griffin and Hal. So I knew very little about them. I saw I, just Griffin when you flipped it over. I'm like, here we go. <laughs> oh, yeah. The fuck's that eye roll all about? God damn. Are they still in business? I don't know. I haven't seen anything about Griffin them. Griffin Armament? I haven't seen anything yeah. about them in forever. We're going to see them at NRA shows. So, I'm going to say hi to them. So I'll fucking say hello to them <laughs> upside the back of their stupid heads. They're, um, God, they're so lame. They make me actually want to be out of the silencer business. Oof. Like if I have to be associated yeah. with them or in the same, hopefully we're never mentioned in the same category. Mm-hmm. Like, they're gross. So, Griffin and Hal. Griffin and Hal. Oh, yeah. What an experience. Abercrombie and Fitch. So, Mike Murphy, salt of the earth, quality person, instructor. I had the best time. Their facility is bananas. I mean, you can imagine if you had $20 billion and you built a playground for your buddies. That's pretty much what it was like. But um, the range facility was great. And go get a lesson with Mike. I don't even think it's that expensive. It's like 200 bucks an hour. 200 bucks an hour, which is expensive, but... What you will get for $400 of two hours, what right. you will learn from him, oh, my God, I recommend anybody go. You can take your woman, you know, even if she's prissy and wears heels and doesn't want to shoot. For an additional $200 an hour? No. Oh. She just goes with you. Um, 
but the facilities, the bar, they have a chef, not like a, not like a chef, like, you know, I'm your chef, y'all come in the morning, I cook you, you know, bacon and eggs. They like, got Boyardee himself. Boy, they have Boyardee's grandson there. Um, you know, a, a little interesting tidbit with that. Chef Boyardee. So they, he became wealthy World War II doing the rations. And then Boyardee used that money commercially. Boyardee blew up. So his grandson lived in Atlanta, and I knew him, and was um, on Double Bubble, the candy company. Really? Yeah, there you go. There's That's your tidbit. Awesome. Yeah. So I told you I was going to learn something. <laughs> yeah. So that was their name, too, Boyardee. That really was. It wasn't his name because he's, right, like, on yeah. the mother's side or whatever. But, yeah. Hmm. So Griffin and Hal. Yeah, Griffin and Hal. So we're there. But it's along the same lines, a bunch yeah. of rich people. So we go there, and he just loved, like, Griffin and Hal and didn't want it to go away, and he bought it, like, whatever, 20, 25 years ago. And I'm going to butcher this story, but it's the way I understand it. Mm-hmm. And it's kept it going. And they have... Like right now, they're engraver and stockmaker, which is two of the most impressive things I've ever seen in making guns. Um, so I got to stay on the grounds, got to shoot in the range, got to see the gun store. Incredible. I've never seen that many purdy guns, and that's not like me being Southern saying pretty. That's like the name of a really high-end English maker. Um, the guns are hundreds of thousands of dollars a piece, and they probably had 30 of them. So I got to see all those. And then in a separate building is where they make all the guns and repair them and make the stocks and do all that kind of stuff. Um, and I say repair, not because like their guns break a lot, but you know, guns that are 70 years old, that's maybe some, you know, some double rifle your rich grandpa had and the stock's cracked and you send it to them, they'll make you a new stock. Yeah, and Mike was saying like dings and stuff in your stock, they can steam them out and it'll look like it was never there. Yeah, which seems stupid, but you know, when you, if you have a gun that's worth 150 grand, yeah. I guess that's the stuff you do. Yeah. But I got to meet, these are two brothers. One does the engraving, one does the stock making and they're third generation making like high-end English double rifles and stuff. And so they're still, they're in their 30s, but the engraving was awesome. Like he was in, uh, when I was there, they were in, he was in, uh, the one brother was engraving uh, two slides for a staccato. Mm. So whoever the rich dude that just funded, he's another like money guy. Like I guess, what was the old company named? STI. He bought them or whatever, and he owns it, and he's having a couple of slides engraved that were incredible. And um, then I got to talk to the brother who makes all the stocks and learn. I mean, he'll have 200 hours in some stocks, and it seems crazy. There are stocks on some of those guns that are $40,000. Right. Like, it doesn't even make sense. But the wood, it's just like my – not all their guns are that expensive. Right. Like, the current Griffin Howe guns you buy, uh, they're bolt guns. They have three, and they go from – like five to fifteen thousand dollars, but you can add engraving and do all this cool stuff. They'll take the piece of wood, they lay it on the counter, like Mike said, they wet them down so you right. can see all the the grain and stuff in the wood. And I think they use like Turkish walnut. And yeah, he some was other. saying there, there's a few selections of woods that they can. Yes, use. maybe a French walnut. Or, I don't know, but it was incredible, and I, I can't wait. So we're going to go back in uh, probably a month from this podcast airing and get tuned up last minute before we go to Africa and, and stay for a few days. And I want Thomas to go with us and do like video kind of documentary of us going to Africa and this being the part leading up to, but also just a documentary on Griffin Howe. Like I'm pretty jaded when it comes to guns, but they are so polar opposite mm. of what we do yeah. that it's fascinating. Like seeing what they do and just praying that they survive, you know, as, is the, the company goes on and, you know, is it just old, rich, white guys that buy these guns? How can they transition to, like, a newer generation? Um, but I want that to continue. That 
that degree of craftsmanship and all, I don't want it all to be made in other countries. Are you going to do one of your uh, 1903s? Yeah, so I, I'm going to take... So I was looking at all of it, and it's what I want is basically like Hemingway's gun. Mm. And I'm trying to get them to do... take like the gun that Hemingway used the most when he was in Africa and recreate that gun the way it was and make like 50 of them and sell them. And I want one of those. But I'm not sure they're going to do it, so I'm going to take one of my O3 Springfields and I'm going to have a gun built there. And I'm going to do like Hemingway's gun, I think, but I'm going to make a couple of changes to it. I want some engraving on mine. I don't right. think Hemingway had engraving on his. Mm. Um, and, and a couple modifications, but overall an iron sight gun that's either 35 Wayland because Wayland is the guy that introduced Griffin Howland's kind right. of integral in starting the company. And that's a great, like, big animal killing cartridge. Or do 30-06. Such a cool thing that they do that still because, like, what a cool rifle, too. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, cool rifle. And, and you know, it's, it's probably one of the – I mean, all the current guns, like whether it's my buddy Jared – uh, at American Precision Arms, or you know, you name them. There's probably 50 custom gun builders that are incredible in this country. But it's a m- modern gun, but th- they still do the gun they were doing a hundred years ago. I want that yeah. because I mean that's just not something. That's a piece of history you can't get anywhere. I mean they built guns for, like Mike was saying, Cary Grant, Dwight Eisenhower, yeah. um, Hemingway. You know, you name it. Like, Your name will be in the book too. I know my name. I'll get to put my name in the book. Yeah. Right next to Hemingway. Right next to Hemingway. I tell you, people think New Jersey, you think of Jersey Shore. Mm. Yeah, but like the highest collection, collection, populations, or the highest population of wild horses is in New Jersey. Do you know that? Of wild Hell horses? no. In the U.S., New Jersey. I don't even uh, believe it. Thomas just freaked out. I'm going to look it up. He, he's, he's twitching. He needs a, um, a vape. I swear your pants have gotten tighter. I took a video earlier of his pants. Huh? What? No. Well, you're getting bigger, or you swapped them out with your ladies' pants. I completely made that up. Holy shit. Jeez, that sounds made up. Yeah. Uh, someone told me that. I wasn't going to say it. Like, someone told I'll me this. I'll listen to some <laughs> Jay bullshit. Oh, I wasn't boy. Having that. Seven more rows. Thomas, even I'm going to solve this tight pants so, situation. I- anyway, um... This is, uh, Griffin Howe is very near Pennsylvania, western, northwest, about as northwestern as you can get in New Jersey. This is about four and a half hours from us. It is so beautiful there. That land reminds me so much of my farm in Georgia. You know, it's the same set of mountains, essentially. Um, But it's rock and mountainous and just the most beautiful land. Oh, my God, that place is cool. So if you want to go somewhere for a few days, do some shooting, see some awesome stuff, Griffin Howe, shout out to them. They got to do a better job of marketing that place. That's all I kept telling people. Yeah. People that work there, the CEO and stuff, that asked me what I thought. I was like, "You motherfuckers need to learn how to market because this is incredible." I would have been here like seven years ago had you had I known. Mike did say that the uh, people don't think that the gun store is open to the public because of where it's located. Yeah, they're not like, allowed to have a sign because of the town and right. stuff. It's a weird situation. Um, weird. Also, there's eighty-two thousand wild horses in New Jersey, so uh, there are at least some there, but it's not the highest population. I don't believe that. Mustangs in New Jersey. Look it up. Is that a real thing? 82,000. And then there's 45,000 in captivity. Yeah, it's probably cars. (laughs) Ford Mustangs in New Jersey. (laughs) No, yeah, it said 82,000 wild horses and burros and uh, 45,000 in government holding pens, which sounds a little fucked up. I didn't know horses burrow. Yeah. 
right into the ground. Jeez. I saw a bunch when I was in Nevada. Uh, I think that means like donkey. <laughs> <laughs> I saw a bunch when I was in Nevada when I was on my motorcycle trip, and they'll just like run next to your like we're riding down the next, yeah. running next to the bikes. Nevada, Arizona, Utah. Yeah. I would believe some of those things. I, I am yeah. totally not buying your New Jersey stuff. Eighty-two thousand. So I'm asking the internet. Earlier, I took a video of him playing the guitar and standing up, and I zoomed in on his pants just to be funny. <laughs> and now, I did see oh, when you turned man. around your little booty. There's some sag there in these pants. Yeah, there's loose pants. The guy live. I like your pants. Have faith in your friends. Right. Yeah, he does for some reason. The pole, the polo's out there. We'll find out. <laughs> Those pants, he'll be swinging on it. Yep. Um, you know what I saw today all together and got to play with? I also saw that mm, yesterday. The old kickstand. The old kickstand. The Wait, old kickstand. What do you think about that name? It's cool. I like it. It's mm. a cool name. It's a cool one. And it's a cool bipod. That's probably the easiest name we've come up with for a product. Yeah. Yeah. Kickstand. Well, I mean, Brian just, I don't know, he came to me and said, we should call it this. I was like, that's a great name. It's a great okay. name. Discussion yeah. over. It's a cool bipod, too. It is cool. What's well, cool about it? <laughs> Did that just happen? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fucking mask. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, drink more, bitches. <laughs> um, I hear you. got to go get some ice. That's the intro. <laughs> 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 um, so what's cool about it? So super light. Yeah. The there's no external buttons to move things around, like to adjust from 180. So to fewer parts, fewer weight, fewer rattles. Right. If there's no buttons. How do you do it? You pull mm. and go wherever you want. Mm-hmm. Also, there's an infinite amount, infinite amount of height adjustment. Basically, you can. There is and there is not, but. To a certain point. There's, there's no, it doesn't click into a detent or right. anything. Um, so there's way more adjustment than, than I think so even people realize. So it adjusts like a trekking pole. Twist yes. And yep. Twist, and twist and shout. Yep. And Tire. shout. And shout. Yep. Yeah, I loved it. I was very excited. Mm-hmm. I was very excited. I, like I was very excited by the lack of shit to pinch you, mm-hmm. snag on stuff. And rattle. rattle. Yep. Just yeah. none of that. Today it does not rattle, which is cool. Yeah. Yeah. Considering it's, it's like the bullshit prototype. Yeah. No yeah. rattle. Right. And even the prototype is strong. It is it's what? Strong. Uh, I hear you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Orange. Yep. Mm. It is strong. So I mean, that alone it's cool. Like I know people like the Magpul bipods a lot and stuff, and I'm sure they they're do? fine, but I, I mean, I like Magpul. I don't think their bipod's one of their finer products. They just hit favorite. a price point. To me, it's kind of the SB tactical. You got to hit the price point, your yeah. customer. Who likes Magpul's bipod? Um, I saw a few guys in Texas. Hmm. Some pretty popular people. The young folk, Adam. Yeah. Yes. They're super easy to get, and they hmm. they're, they they do cheap. the trick. It's, but ha- it's half the price of everything. Readily else. available. Yeah, and they do the trick. It's not, but I don't. They're not claiming to be the greatest. Mm-hmm. They just they do the trick. But this one's str- like it for being how light it is. I think people are are nervous that it ooh, can't be durable. Well, I don't know about durability. The Magpul one is rattly and heavy. And do you think the Atlas is overrated? I like it a lot. Okay, I did think it was overrated, but now I see the like Accutac ones or whatever. What's Accutac? It's another bipod brand, and I think those are overrated. Okay, 
Yeah, I think Atlas is overrated. I think it's a good bipod. I like them. But there's some issues with them. They do rattle. Mm-hmm. They're heavier than you would expect. Yeah. Um, well, yeah. I think... I think the Harris is lighter than you think. Yes, but it looks like lawn furniture. Sure. Yeah, it looks heavy. But it Yeah, the Harris and the Atlas, I think, weigh about the same. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I think the Harris is superior, mm-hmm. but I don't like using it on the gun because mm-hmm. it's rattly and... Uh, or not right. I don't like using the Harris on the gun on our gun because it's big and it looks right. ugly. Mm. Um, so that's like it goes against Q altogether. But it is. I don't. But that's uh, what Ivanka's got on her gun. Got that's the one I'm she likes. I, I, when I put mine on, it's it's the Atlas, but it's rattly. It's heavy. Mm-hmm. Um, it's spring not spring loaded. Yeah, yeah. The, the Harris being spring loaded is mm-hmm. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah, the extension, just the mm-hmm. button. Yeah. So there's a lot of cool stuff on the Harris, but. I mean, he was way ahead of its time. Yeah. I mean, I hate to admit it. And he did a lot of cool things. Like, there's a lot of parts that are stamped and all that. And that thing should weigh more, but it is still very heavy. I mean, I, you know, the cool thing about ours, it's slim, no snaggy, no rattly, mm-hmm. and it weighs half what those weigh. Yeah. Uh, those I, should be the bullet points on the cell sheet. No snaggy, no rattly. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The one bipod that I like, Griffin and Hal uses Mike Cat on his gun. I think it's mm-hmm. the Spartan one where you keep it like your stuff. You have yeah. a little socket in the gun you stick it in there when you need to use it that yeah. was cool i like i like that he uses a magnet but the fast well it's just stealing magnet in the thing but you don't have to have it on your gun all the time because that's the problem i run into is because the atlas and the harris are big i don't, I don't use it a ton when i hunt and i don't want it on my gun all the time but i also don't want to have some stupid throw lever and all the 1913 stuff and mm-hmm. more weight and more snaggy stuff mm-hmm. It's a tough one. There's not a perfect bipod solution. I think the kickstand by Q for my use is the best thing I've seen by a fair amount, and I'm excited about it. But I don't hate that Spartan one. It's pretty no, cool. That I was cool. pleasantly surprised. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it's cool the the kind of the forethought they had of that. They had to put that so basically they just replaced a sling swivel and mm-hmm. put that little magnet in there like yeah. that was cool well i mean it is bigger you gotta like drill into the stock right. but like i don't care who cares you have to drill a hole in the stock yeah. like if you're already paying for that gun who cares like well whatever. and it's not just in griffin and Hell, but i think you can put it into any stock you've mm-hmm. got but i i do like the idea you know when i told the story of mike having his binos and he had his range finder and his phone and he had in this pocket, he had uh, his Spartan bipod when he bent over to help me with the zebra and his phone fell oh, in the yeah. zebra dookie. <laughs> but his bipod stayed in there. Yeah. But he would just pull it out and use it when he was shooting from the bipod. And yeah, I, that's know, I think it's pretty slick, but you got to have a separate thing with you. And, you know, the bipod won't fold, so you don't have the ability to have it on the gun, really, mm-hmm. if, you're, right. if you're stalking with it or hiking with it or whatever. Yeah. So I... There is no perfect solution so far that I've seen, honestly. No. You know one that I really love is I've got a Steyr Scout, and the bipod is like the end. Yeah. And, you know, it's the bare minimum bipod, too, and it breaks down and is the end of your gun. Some of the old uh, SIG rifles, the Swiss ones, had it in yeah. the vanguard. That's cool. Was it, yeah. You know, those actually at Advanced Armament 20 years ago started designing one for the M4 when, like, the, uh, what do you call those, like, quad rails came mm-hmm. out? And it was based on a SIG rifle I had, and the legs would fold into, into that, the handguard. into yeah. the void between mm-hmm. the 1913s. So that's kind of yeah. like the the Galils did the same thing, and like the yeah, the Galils big and heavy though, because yeah. that would be like they had like a barbed wire cutter shit in right. it and all. But the SIG one was was good, I thought too. Was that on the 500 series rifle? Yeah, yeah. 
Yeah, I had a little lock at the top. The, so. God damn it. The one that bums me out. Oh, fruit flies attacking me. The one that bums me out as much as I like Knights as a company, I don't like their bipod. I like it as much as I like the Atlas or the Harris. I think it was smart for them to release it. But you know what they did? They had a particular customer who was right. a longtime customer who specced exactly all those yeah. things. That so, they'll sell every single commercial one they can make. Yeah, yeah. and it was like, was it four fifty? I was gonna say bucks? some crazy amount of money. Yeah, yeah. And people will buy it. Yeah, yeah. They can do no wrong, even if it's wrong. I think a lot of people don't realize a lot of the the top or the points that were brought up about the bipods. Like, I think everyone has just they get what they can get, or they have they know. Oh, everyone uses Harris. I'll get that, and they don't. I don't think they really. Until well, now, I don't think they really think about weight savings well, and no rattling. A lot of people probably don't use a bipod enough or in the way they were intended to be used to know if it's the right or wrong one. Yeah. Yeah, I, th- I think you're right. You've got to have a lot of time on them. And, and I use a bipod a fair amount. But it is interesting. Like a Harris probably is $150, I'm guessing. Yeah, they're not crazy. 150 170 like The Atlas is probably 250 The Spartan is yeah. probably 400 The Knights is probably 500 Like it's... Really? Yeah. Yeah, the night the nights when it the came out was, was four forty one MSRP. I remember. So and I don't nights. even know. I don't know if you can even really find them right now. So obviously, resale price. But yeah, I think they made it for one customer. Yeah, probably. Um, see if you can find them. Um, but you know, I don't know. Which is interesting. Where to price ours? Because ours, you know, it's it's so interesting. People think a lot of times. Well, it's very simple. It should be cheap. Well takes us three years to get to simple. Yeah, look at a Harris or whatever. And, I mean, a Harris is fairly simple, but you look at it and you're like, there's springs. Oh, my God, it's so complicated. I will say that the Harris is so – the one thing I didn't look at with ours, and I know it's only a prototype, but with an Atlas, once you click it into one of your positions, there's still a little rattle, and you can feel it when you load load your bipod. Well, yeah, they. you're right. Like the Harris is rock solid. When you load it, it is – the hair, well, when you fold the legs out, it's rock solid. Yeah. I mean, it's under tension by those springs, right, yeah. where the Atlas only has tension into where it locks in right. to the position up here. It's not on the leg, so I think that's a bad design. And ours, when you put it in position, the spring tension is wedging it into yeah. that position. So, I mean, it's just, a, I mean, it's a difference in, you know, uh, uh, Todd McGee from Dead Air and Ethan Lassard. Right. Like one's a real fucking engineer, yeah. and that's what you get is an engineered solution. That's something that I wouldn't have noticed until I started actively loading my bipod as much as I can. Like before, I would just throw a bipod on whatever on a surface and go for it. But now that well, if I have the opportunity to load it, I'm loading it. Well, once you load it, you can you know you can get movement out of stuff. But you know you just aren't. If it depends on your use. If you're sitting yeah. at a bench or you're prone doing the same shit every week, whatever. But you know, for me, I use a bipod in like 10 different ways. Right. You know, and it's not me trying. I mean, and, and this is one place where as much as I think PRS, those guys are like over the top sometimes. Mm. Um, one thing it will teach you is, is different, like unorthodox shooting positions. Yeah. And I see that happen a lot with my hunting. Like, I don't always get to load my bipod, but I need a front support. Yeah. I mean, it's just, and it's never the way you want to shoot. And it's not the way people train you. It's just, that's not hunting. Like. You know, I mean, you can wait for those shots, but it's just it's just not how I use it. And that's where I want we had the talk today about um, one part of the bipod, which Nick, one of the engineers, does not like. Mm -hmm. 
And it's kind of like he didn't want to, he's the lead engineer on the fix. He didn't want a folding stock on it. Hmm. But he had never seen one right. that wouldn't rattle and all and wasn't heavy or whatever. And, you know, and so I get all of us that actually shoot and hunt a lot over there and talking about it. It's like, you know, when Adam was there and it's, you know, if you talk about, um, you know, can't or something. Yeah. Do you need to completely lock it out? Well, there are some cases where you would want that, but that's probably 1% of the time. And what are we trying to accomplish with our bipod? Like, let's not go down every rabbit hole. Like, this is a utility bipod. This is not a Ventress bipod. This is not for your Barrett 50. This is, you know, the, the lightest, best, simplest thing that we can make to fit into this and for these uses, and that's where we're going to stay. Yeah. What would yeah. you see with the Knight's bipod? How much I think cost? Uh, it's in stock right now at TNT Gear for four hundred and forty dollars. Retail was a dollar off or MSRP, whatever. Mm. Yeah, good for that. Yeah, it's expensive. Yeah, it is. It is. Uh, you know, one thing I like about it, which it adds weight and complexity and rattly, is yeah, the push button, pull it off the rail. Mm. Yeah, you know that that's yeah that's pretty nice. And you see, I mean, we don't necessarily have that intended that need but like all the prs guys use the like arca swiss rails and stuff so they can slide them back and forth that's cool yeah. i mean that's like an atlas thing i don't know about whatever about yeah, i mean prs guys make fun of them all you want but i mean that's a sport and yeah. so they do all these things to get that little bit of advantage and it makes them look goofy but I mean, yeah i mean i could say if that's the thing you're yeah. doing but my problem is not because they do it for that but when they say it needs to be your gun needs to be this way for oh, this yeah. application right. Right. like no, it doesn't. Like, if you tell me that your gun's okay with weighing 20 pounds and you mm -hmm. want these features, we wouldn't design the fix. Right. Yeah, I watched a video. I want to say the guy was British, maybe. But he was reviewing the fix, and he's a PRS guy. And he was basically saying, like, why would you make a bolt gun with AR ergonomics? Why is it so light? Why would you want that? And it's mm -hmm. like... Oh, yeah, he said that he, he thought the gun was pointless. Right, yeah. Yeah, well, you live in England. You can't yeah. own a bunch of guns, and all you do is shoot a competition. So there you go. Yeah, and you have a queen idiot. Yeah, and I think the guy was trying to be, yeah, controversial. Stupid. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, it depends. I mean, I, I think our products are for people that use guns, not people that want to shoot a competition, or yeah. it's not for a safe queen. You know, I said it today on Instagram and. People have, we've talked about it on the podcast, but like, if go hunt with it, like go, go do any of its intended purposes and you'll very quickly realize like it is the, the top in that intended purpose. And like you said, in Africa, all the, all the PHs, all the guides there, as soon as they got a hold of it, they're like, well, we need these here. Like it's undeniable. So people can try to deny it, but. Yeah, I, I don't even see a lot of that anymore, even with the honey badger. Um, you know, like we will probably because of me or because we're doing very innovative things, too. And outside of what other people are doing, you're always going to attract hate, you know. And um, it's okay. Um, and the fact that we're not trying to connect with every single customer. If you shoot PRS, you probably don't have a lot of use for our products. And, like, I'm okay with that. Mm -hmm. I mean... And I think PRS, any sporting or any shooting event that people are involved in, I love and support, just like hunting. Um, but, yeah, I don't really care about some arc or rail that right. slides. Like, I would love to be able to put my bipod at any moment on any part of my gun instantly. And I could do it, but I'm not willing to add weight or sacrifice strength or, 
you know, have something that's rattly. Uh, they're, you know, it's just I make a priority list for everything. You can have everything you want, but you're going to pay a million dollars and it'll weigh 50 pounds. And so then you just start s- subtracting from that and get the thing you want. And everybody's exact needs different. And that's why I think of the fix as being like a utility rifle because it can accomplish so many things. It's not a PRS gun, and it's never going to be that. You can shoot PRS with, and there's some yeah. people who have and have done pretty well. Um, but they would probably do well with any gun. But I think most uses, we've created some advantages, whether it's the short throw or it's the trigger, the full-length rail, it's the lightweight, it's the AR ergonomics, it's the folding stock. I mean, there's just so many advantages. I, I mean, we'll get after probably this next year uh, Q-Cert and really focus some on that and do a, a handguard for the Honey Badger. And when people see Q-Cert compared to MLock, mm. you know, and Magpul's done all kinds of great things. And MLock is possibly the best mounting solution out there right now, except for Q-Cert. But when people see that and get to use it, there's going to be no turning back. Like, people don't do Q-Cert because it's hard and it's expensive and no one else thought of doing it the way we did. I just took off a foregrip, a Magpul foregrip off a gun the other day with mag uh, with M-Lock and I wanted to throw the gun out the window. Like That's just taking it off. Putting yeah. it on's worse. Yeah, I know. Like, I don't... It's what we have right now, but, mm. yeah, Q-Cert is unbelievable. Sometimes I put it on and it's fantastic. Like yeah. Some, yeah, yeah, sometimes it works easy, but yeah. it's not consistent. Yeah. But with Q-Cert, you got the two screws, you can see them, you torque it down, it's all there is. Like simple, simple is good. Simple ends up with a strong, lighter product that you can use very easily without a ton of instruction. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I, I don't know whether it's, you know, we had uh, a couple of weeks ago, we had Judson and Chad here and Chad, I mean, you know, they're my redneck Georgia mountain hillbilly friends that I love. I mean, Chad's my best friend in the world, and he is the most stubborn son of a bitch in the world. And he likes something, and he doesn't change until you force him or it's out of stock. You know, it's just the way he is. And we all know people like that. Generally, it's like our granddad or something. Yeah. But so, but Chad, I finally convinced him, get him a fix. And he was super – he was so excited about us starting Q and – than being up here for a couple of years and being involved, you know, and he loves me and he loves the company, he loves all you guys. And, and he got one of the very first guns and he was like super touched by it and all. So then no matter if he hated it, he was going to use yeah. it. And, um, anytime now I say something about like in his safe, cause he and I, like in my uh, apartment at his place, like both of our gun safes are in there. And, Whenever he's got his open, he's getting this fix out. And I like say something about his old Remington 700 that he used for 20 years, you know, that he loved. The only gun he ever needed, didn't yeah. ever need no one. He wasn't going to use nothing else. It's great. It's a perfect thing. And I point to it and he just laughs and tells me to shut up. He's <laughs> like, I would never do that again. He's like, if you took this fix back and I had to buy one at double retail, I would do it. Yeah. And, you know, that's just a redneck that uses a gun every day. Right. He's like, you fold the stock. It's so lightweight, you know, I mean, just all the things. And, you know, it's just so cool to see from that to going to South Africa to seeing the pHs that their minds were blown just the same way. Yeah. Um, you know, and everybody, you don't know till you're exposed to it. It's so weird that people even try to get on cue about that kind of stuff where it's like you don't see people, like you you don't see guys give 
Hammerly a bunch of crap. Like well, all the, these. Well, the the owner of Hammerly's not out calling people idiots. That's either, true. So. But it's like you you go look at. I mean, the Olympics are shooting the Olympics. Like you go look at those guns, and they're very purpose built. You understand what they are. And no one complains about it, but we do something, and everyone's like, oh, "Why would you do that?" Yeah, uh, Ivanka, uh, uh, Ivanka, and I were watching the air rifle, like the gold medal round this morning, and the American kid, shout out to him, won the gold medal and th- beat two Chinese dudes. So you know he's got to be a fucking robot. <laughs> um, and t- ten meter air rifle, and seeing the ga- the guns, and Ivanka's like, "What the hell is that?" Yeah. You know, like different, ass- and I'm telling her. Because, you know, I spent some time at the AMU, and that's where all those guys come from. And I was, like her, when I first saw him, was fascinated by it when I asked the shooters and the gunsmiths about the guns and what all the stuff is and had no idea. Well, actually, one of our uh, guys that started the company with us, his wife, was um, mm. shot air rifle in the Olympics. That's like the pistols, too, the twenty two pistols. Oh. It's like they wear a glove. It's a wooden block glove <laughs> that they just put on their Yeah, so, so watching that this morning, and the kid wins the gold medal. And he didn't even celebrate. He didn't even smile. He just turned around him and, <laughs> and held his rifle up. Boss. Yeah. yeah. He, uh, just incredible dork. You know what I found out? What they said is he is a University of Kentucky mechanical engineering student. Mm. I instantly thought about reaching out to him. <laughs> I mean, yeah. okay, he's one of the best shooters in the world. He's got a gold medal. None of us have that. Yeah. It, I mean, it'd be interesting to talk to him, but... My God, no fucking emotion. He was totally, I mean, they must have given him like a double dose of Benadryl before he went out there. So. <laughs> but um, so shout out USA. We've won several gold medals in yeah. shooting already. So, yeah. man, I love the AMU. You know, when Aaron Hampton was here and, and he ran the AMU shoot team there for a decade or more. And um, we know a lot of those guys. And it's such a good thing to keep going here. A lot of that innovation. Anyway. They have, yeah, their guns, like the the twenty two and the air rifle, it's all kind of the same. Uh, they have all this weird shit on the gun, but that's just what the gun is for. Right. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I think we're a small company. I don't want to spend a ton on marketing, and we're doing new things that are innovative that we believe in, and we can either put it out there and not say anything and hope people catch on, or we put it out there and then tell other people they're stupid for not <laughs> understanding why it's great. Um, and I think it's the way to do it. What kind of criticism has the fix gotten in recent years? Like, what's uh, what's like a consistent thing that uh, people are criticizing? Oh, well, I think originally it was just some of my personal haters criticizing the fix, and they would say, "Oh, it's not accurate," or "Oh, it's I don't know what else do people say." Oh, it's light. It doesn't take the right magazine. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. I think it needs yeah. to take the longer Stupid. magazine. So the the half of half of 1% of people who load ammo for it could load longer ammo. Mm. And, like, you got Hornady yeah. that makes 6.5 Creedmoor ammo that's sub-half MOA ammo. Like, why the hell do... Yeah. I mean, people criticize the Q-Cert just because it's kind of proprietary, not a lot of accessories for it. Yeah. And, and they're all kind of just stupid criticisms. Yeah, and, I mean, and that's our fault. So we did an MLOC handguard for it, and it's funny. It's got... Nobody buys it. 37 <laughs> less stainless steel parts in it, and the Q-Cert still... Two ounces lighter. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Nobody buys it, but w- we got to do more parts. Um, other than that, I think. I, I mean, know. when you make an adjustable stock like that, it's never going to satisfy everybody. So right. you get some criticism on that. It's just. I would say we've gotten far less criticism on our stock than six gotten on yeah. their stock. Oh, now, yeah, yeah. Well, ours came out a couple years prior. People complain about 
the stock being too thin because like the butt pad. Oh yeah. Which yeah. like just cool. grow up. We did the big butt. Well, I mean, I agree. If you want to go shoot fifty rounds in a sitting mm-hmm. yeah. at a bench in three oh eight with a six yeah, so pound three ass, ounce man. gun, yeah. you know. get that big butt. Yeah. But for me for hunting, if I gotta shoot two or three shots, I'd rather have the standard butt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um yeah, so there you know, there's room for it, but there are things that we address with it all around. Like so far there's not an adjustable trigger. But um, we don't run a super light trigger, but the trigger, the way we've done it, is so crisp that it um, feels much lighter than it is most of the time. Yeah. So it's got a terrific trigger. Super safe. Um, yep, safe. We we put a lot of effort into drop. Like if you have a Remington 700, a typical common gun everybody's got, and you've got a one-pound trigger, if you drop it, it's going off. That gun's not safe. Actually, fun fact about that. Is it like horses in New Jersey? This one I can attest to. If you say orange, I'm walking out of here. No, 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 no. No, fun fact about the Remingtons, the footage that was on the, the national news or whatever when that was all going on, uh, my dad and his SWAT team took that footage of the gun sitting on the back of just like a the bed of a truck and no one near it and it just going off. Hmm. Yeah. That is a fun fact. Shout out, Dad. <laughs> And Portland Police Department, not Portland, Oregon. No. Portland, Maine. Yeah, fuck those other guys. Portland, Maine. Portland, Maine's the OG Portland. Yeah, I think the biggest criticism for the fix was just like any new technology or new item in any segment of any market. You get three different types of customers. You get early adopters, which we love them. Mm -hmm. And then you get like the research people. And then the skeptics buy last, but they're the loudest ones in the beginning. Yeah, and for the people in the middle, you know, there has to be some period of time. There's a duration where there has to be actual guns delivered. And yeah, they want to see that's proven. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Which I think all that's cool. I mean, our, you know, manufacturing capacity is limited, and we mm-hmm. can't service everyone. And, you know, I'm more concerned with our quality and culture and just, I mean, frankly, from my standpoint, quality of life of employees and as long as we're growing and making money, that's all cool to me. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, But, you know, even as big as I would ever aspire to be, and I think, you know, we're the greatest in the world. I don't want to be the biggest in the world, but I'm fine with us making the most money. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I don't know. People are uh, not going to like it because it's different. Yeah. Have you taken any of that criticism that people have given you and applied it to the product? If it's valid, sure. Yeah, I, I think when anybody has a, a something valid, and there, you know, there's stuff in testing that we can never discover until we ship a certain amount of product, and other people find it. Like we're just never gonna find something, and we're constantly updating the guns. Whether it's the Honey Badger trigger that's about to launch, or it's improvement to the stocks and arm braces, or the coatings, or anything. Um, yeah, heavy bolt lift. That yeah. was a big criticism, mm-hmm. and we've done a lot to address heavy bolt lift. Yeah, by updating the cocking pieces, you know the the uh, rear of the bolt face, the tapered bolt lugs, whatever you call it. Yeah, we the made bolt a lot lugs. Of, a lot of rolling changes. But and also uh, with bolt lift, we did uh, you know, and some people they're so used to the big long uh, mm-hmm. bolt knobs and handles, and, and so we did a longer one of those, and and that's cool. Um, but you know, like everything, there's going to be some compromise. If you want a super light gun, there's going to be more recoil. So you can shoot with a silencer or a, a really great muzzle brake. You can use the big butt, you know, the larger yep. butt pad that we made. 
And it's easy to add weight to the gun. Shit, you can bolt it to the handguard like they do in PRS to yeah. add weight, or you can put a big heavy barrel in the gun. Mm-hmm. But, you know, on a traditional Remington, it's real hard to take weight out. Mm-hmm. So, but, you know, I think it also comes down to, Thomas, a lot of it is education. When people don't understand when something's different and if they'll listen to you and you have a scientific way or reason to explain it that makes sense, then that solves a lot of it. And, you know, sometimes it's just, it's new. You know, I I mean, I know when we wanted to do 300 Blackout commercially, everyone thought it was really stupid until they shot it. Yeah. So, I don't know. I'm not new to this and I don't don't care. Like, you know, my job should be to help identify niches in the market where we can make a big improvement and know when something's a big enough improvement for it to be marketable and hopefully combine that with, you know, seeing where the, the industry is going. So for me, it's like, whatever you talk about, like a quarterback, he doesn't throw where the receiver is. He throws where he's going to be. And I, I think we're pretty good at that overall. And sometimes, you know, it takes a minute for everybody to watch the ball to get there. And that's okay. That gives us time to grow production. Whatever.